You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can do so on Facebook, and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and reflections with others who are listening and following along. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 185. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 35 to 46. Chapter 4. At twelve years of age, the child Jesus goes with his parents to Jerusalem, and he conceals himself from them in the temple. 35. As I have said, Mary and Joseph repeated their visits to the temple at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread every year. Also, when the divine child was twelve years old, and when it was time to allow the splendors of his inaccessible divine light to shine forth, they went to the temple for this feast. Luke 2.42 This festival of the unleavened bread lasted seven days according to the command of the divine law, and the more solemn days were the first and the last. On this account, our heavenly pilgrims remained in Jerusalem during the whole week, spending their time in acts of worship and devotion, as the rest of the Jews, although on account of the sacraments connected with each of them, their worship and devotion was entirely different and greatly exalted above that of the others. The Blessed Mother and Holy Joseph received during these days favors and blessings beyond the conception of the human mind. 36. Having thus spent all the seven days of the feast, they betook themselves on their way home to Nazareth, when his parents departed from Jerusalem, and were pursuing their way homeward, the child Jesus withdrew from them without their knowledge. For this purpose, the Lord availed himself of the separation of the men and women, which had become customary among the pilgrims for reasons of decency, as well as for greater recollection during their return homeward. The children which accompanied their parents were taken in charge promiscuously, either by the men or the women, since their company with either was a matter of indifference. Thus it happened that St. Joseph could easily suppose that the child Jesus had remained with his most holy mother, with whom he generally remained. The thought that she would go without him was far from his mind, since the heavenly queen loved and delighted in him more than any other creature, human or angelic. The great lady did not have so many reasons for supposing that her most holy son was in the company of St. Joseph, but the Lord himself so diverted her thoughts by holy and divine contemplations that she did not notice his absence at first. When afterwards she became aware of her not being accompanied by her sweetest and beloved son, 
She supposed that the blessed Joseph had taken him along, and that the Lord accompanied his foster father for his consolation. 37. Thus assured, Holy Mary and Joseph pursued their home journey for an entire day, as St. Luke tells us. As the pilgrims proceeded onwards, they gradually thinned out, each taking his own direction and joining again with his wife or family. The most Holy Mary and St. Joseph found themselves at length in the places where they had agreed to meet on the first evening after leaving Jerusalem. When the great lady saw that the child was not with St. Joseph, and when the holy patriarch found that he was not with his mother, the two were struck dumb with amazement and surprise for quite a while. Both governed in their judgment by their most profound humility, felt overwhelmed with self-reproach at their remissness in watching over their most holy son, and thus blamed themselves for his absence for neither of them had any suspicion of the mysterious manner in which he had been able to elude their vigilance. After a time, they recovered somewhat from their astonishment and with deepest sorrow took counsel with each other as to what was to be done. Luke 2.45 The loving mother said to St. Joseph, My spouse and my master, my heart cannot rest unless we return with all haste to Jerusalem in order to seek my most holy son. This they proceeded to do, beginning their search among their relations and friends, of whom, however, none could give them any information or any comfort in their sorrow. On the contrary, their answers only increased their anxiety, since none of them had so much as seen their son since their departure from Jerusalem. 38. The afflicted mother turned to her holy angels. Those that carried the escutions inscribed with the most holy name of Jesus, of which I spoke at the circumcision, had accompanied the Lord while the other angels still remained with the purest mother. This was the order maintained whenever the son separated from the mother. These, who numbered ten thousand, she asked, saying, My friends and companions, you well know the cause of my sorrow in this bitter affliction. Be my consolation and give me some information concerning my beloved, so that I may seek and find him. Canticle three two, Give some relief to my wounded heart, which, torn from its happiness in life, bounds from its place in search of him. The holy angels, who, though they never lost sight of the Creator and Redeemer, were aware that the Lord wished to furnish his mother this occasion of great merit, and that it was not yet time to reveal the secret to her. Answered by speaking to her words of consolation without manifesting to her the whereabouts and the doings of the Lord, This evasive answer raised new doubts in the most prudent lady. Her anxiety of heart caused her to break out in tears and sighs of inmost grief and urged her onward in search, not of the lost drachm, like the woman in the gospel, but of the whole treasure of heaven and earth. Luke 15, 8, 39. The mother of wisdom then began to discuss within her heart the different possibilities The first thought which presented itself to her was the fear lest Archelaus, imitating the cruelty of his father Herod, should have obtained notice of the presence of Jesus and have taken him prisoner. Although she knew from the holy scriptures and revelations and by her conversations with her most holy son and teacher that the time for his passion and death had not yet come and that the king would not take away his life, yet she was filled with dread at the thought that they should have taken him prisoner and might ill-treat him. In her profoundest humility, she also had misgivings, lest, perchance, she had in any way displeased him by her conduct, and therefore deserved that he should leave her and take up his abode in the desert with his precursor, St. John. 
At other times, addressing her absent love, she exclaimed, Sweet love and delight of my soul, thou art impelled by thy desire of suffering for men, and by thy immense charity to avoid no labor or pain. But on the contrary, I fear, O Lord and Master, that thou seekest it on purpose. Isaiah 53, 7. Whither shall I go, and whither shall I find thee? Light of my eyes. Dost thou wish to deprive me of life by the sword of severance from thy presence? But I do not wonder, O my highest good, thou chastisest by thy absence her who did not know how to profit by thy company. Why, O my Lord, hast thou enriched me with the delights of thy infancy, if I am so soon to lose the assistance of thy loving instruction? But woe is me, since not being worthy to retain and enjoy these as my son, I must confess that I am obliged to thank thee, even for the favor of condescending to accept me as thy slave. If the privilege of being my unworthy mother can be of any avail in finding thee my God and my highest good, do thou, O Lord, permit it, and make me worthy of again finding thee, so that I may go with thee in the desert, to sufferings, labors, tribulations, or whatever thou wilt. My Lord, my soul desires to merit, at least in part, to share thy sorrows and torments, to die if I do not find thee, or to live in thy service and presence." When thy divinity hid itself from my gaze, thy amiable humanity at least remained. And although thou wast austere and less kind to me than thou hadst been, I could throw myself at thy feet. But now this happiness is taken away from me, and I have lost sight entirely of the sun which enlightens me, left only to groans and sighs. Ah, love of my soul, what sighs from the inmost of my heart can I send thee as messengers? But I am not worthy of thy clemency." since my eyes find no traces of thee. 40. Thus, this sincerest dove, preserved in her tears and groans, without cessation or rest, without sleeping or eating anything, for three whole days. Although the ten thousand angels accompanied her in corporeal forms and witnessed her affliction and sorrow, yet they gave her no clue to find her lost child. On the third day, the great queen resolved to seek him in the desert where St. John was, for since she saw no indications that Archelaus had taken him prisoner, she began to believe more firmly that her most holy son was with St. John. When she was about to execute her resolve and was on the point of departing for the desert, the holy angels detained her, urging her not to undertake the journey, since the divine word was not there. She wanted also to go to Bethlehem, in the hope of finding him in the cave of the Nativity. But this the holy angels likewise prevented, telling her that he was not so far off. Although the Blessed Mother heard these answers, and well perceived that the holy angels knew the whereabouts of the child Jesus, she was so considerate and reserved in her humility and prudence that she gave no response, nor asked where she could find him, for she understood that they withheld this information by the command of the Lord. With such magnanimous reverence did the Queen of the Angels treat the sacraments of the Most High and of his ministers and ambassadors. This was one of the occasions in which the greatness of her queenly and magnanimous heart was made manifest. 41. Not all the sorrows suffered by all the martyrs ever reached the height of the sorrows of Most Holy Mary in this trial, nor will the patience, resignation, and tolerance of this lady ever be equaled. Nor can they, for the loss of Jesus was greater to her than the loss of anything created, while her love and appreciation of him exceeded all that can be conceived by any other creature. Since she did not know the cause of thy loss, her anxiety was beyond all measure, as I have already said. 
Moreover, during these three days, the Lord left to her natural resources of nature and of grace, deprived of special privileges and favors, for with the exception of the company and intercourse of the angels, he suspended all the other consolations and blessings, so constantly vouchsafed to her most holy soul. From all this, we can surmise what sorrow filled the loving heart of the Heavenly Mother. But, O prodigy of holiness, prudence, fortitude, and perfection, in such unheard of affliction and sorrow, she was not disturbed, nor lost her interior or exterior peace, nor did she entertain a thought of anger or indignation, nor allowed herself any improper movement or expression, nor fell into any excess of grief or annoyance, as is so common in great affliction with other children of Adam, who allowed all their passions and faculties to be disarranged, yea, even in small difficulties. The mistress of all virtue held all her powers in heavenly order and harmony. Though her sorrow was without comparison great and had pierced her inmost heart, she failed not in the reverence and in the praise of the Lord, nor ceased in her prayers and petitions for the human race and for the finding of her most holy Son. 42. With this heavenly wisdom and with great diligence, she sought him for three successive days, roaming through the streets of the city, asking different persons and describing to the daughters of Jerusalem the marks of her beloved, searching the byways and the open squares of the city, and thereby fulfilling what was recorded in the Canticles of Solomon. Canticle 5.10 Some of the women asked her what were the distinctive marks of her lost and only son. And she answered in the words of the spouse, My beloved is white and ruddy, chosen out of thousands. One of the women, hearing her thus describing him, said, This child, with those same marks, came yesterday to my door to ask for alms, and I gave some to him, and his grace and beauty have ravished my heart. And when I gave him alms, I felt myself overcome by compassion to see a child so gracious in poverty and want. These were the first news the sorrowful mother heard of her only begotten in Jerusalem. A little respited in her sorrow, she pursued her quest and met other persons who spoke of him in like manner. Guided by this information, she directed her steps to the hospital of the city, thinking that among the afflicted she would find the spouse and originator of patient poverty, among his own legitimate brethren and friends, Matthew 5.40. Inquiring at that place, she was informed that a child of that description had paid his visits to the inmates, leaving some alms and speaking words of much consolation to the afflicted. 43. The report of these doings of her beloved caused sentiments of sweetest and most tender affection in the heart of the heavenly lady, which she sent forth from her inmost heart as messengers to her lost and absent son. Then the thought struck her that, since he was not with the poor, he had no doubt tarried in the temple, as in the house of God and of prayer. The holy angels encouraged her and said, Our queen and lady, the hour of thy consolation is at hand. Soon wilt thou see the light of thy eyes. Hasten thy footsteps and go to the temple. The glorious patriarch St. Joseph at this moment again met his spouse, for in order to increase their chance of finding the divine child, they had separated in different directions. By another angel he had now been likewise ordered to proceed to the temple. During all these three days he had suffered unspeakable sorrow and affliction, hastening from one place to another, sometimes without his heavenly spouse, sometimes with her. He was in serious danger of losing his life during this time. If the hand of the Lord had not strengthened him, if the most prudent lady had not consoled him and forced him to take some food and rest, his sincere 
and exquisite love for the divine child made him so anxious and solicitous to find him that he would have allowed himself no time or care to take nourishment for the support of nature. Following the advice of the holy princes, the most pure Mary and Joseph betook themselves to the temple, where it happened what I will relate in the next chapter. Instruction given to me by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary. 44. My daughter, by oft-repeated experience, mortals know that they do not lose without sorrow what once they have possessed with delight. This truth so well established should convince men what little love they have for their God and Creator, since among the many who lose him there are so few who heavily grieve at this loss, and thereby show that they have never possessed or loved him with a love flowing from grace. Just as they fail to grieve at losing the highest good which they do not hold in loving possession, so they also fail to seek after their God when they have lost him. But there is a great difference in the manner in which men lose sight of their highest good, for it is not the same to lose sight of God for the purpose of being tried in virtue and love, and to lose sight of him in punishment for sins committed. The first is a contrivance of divine love, and a means of communicating itself more abundantly to the one that longs for it and merits it. The second is a just punishment for outrages committed against the divinity. In the first kind of absence, the Lord humiliates the soul by holy fear and filial love, leaving it uncertain whether it has not given cause for his withdrawal. Proverbs 28.13 Although its conscience does not reprehend it, the loving and ingenuous heart knows its danger, feels the loss, and thus, as the wise man says, is blessed. For it then lives in constant fear and dread of such a loss, knowing that man until the end of this life is uncertain whether he deserves love or hate in the sight of God. During their mortal existence, the just man and the sinner commonly share the same good and evil lot without much distinction. 45. This is the great evil which the wise man mentions as among the happenings under the sun, that the impious and the wicked harden their hearts in their malice and false security, seeing that the same mishaps befall both themselves and others and that no one can tell with certainty who are the chosen or the reprobate, the friends or enemies of God, the just or the sinners, who are worthy of love and who of hatred. But if men would dispassionately and without deceit appeal to their conscience, it would answer each one truthfully what he should know. Luke twelve fifty eight. For when it cries out against sins committed, they would be foolish not to attribute the evils and adversities to themselves, or to fail to see themselves forsaken by grace and deprived of the highest good. If their reason were unbiased, the greatest source of misgiving would be to be unmoved by the loss or by the cessation of the spiritual joys of grace. For the want of this misgiving in a soul created and destined for eternal happiness is a strong indication that the soul neither desires nor loves this happiness, and therefore it is a sign that it does not seek it in earnest, so as to enjoy a well-founded prospect of one possessing the highest good. For thou must remember that this well-founded assurance of not having forfeited it in this mortal life can be attained by all the faithful souls. 46. I was deprived of the bodily presence of my most holy Son, but although I was in hope of again finding him, yet in my great love the uncertainty as to the cause of his withdrawal gave me no rest until I found him. In this I wish that thou, my dearest, imitate me, whether thou lose him through thy own fault or by the disposition of his own will. So great 
should be thy dread of losing him through thy fault, that neither tribulation, nor troubles, nor necessity, nor danger, nor persecution, nor the sword, neither height, nor depth, should ever withhold thee from seeking after thy God. For if thou art faithful as thou shouldst be, and if thou dost not wish to lose him, neither the angels, nor the principalities, nor the powers, nor any other creature can ever deprive thee of him. So strong are the bonds of his love and its chains, that no one can burst them, except thy own free will. This concludes our reading today for day number 185. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 35 to 46. The loss and finding of Jesus in the temple is one of the rosary mysteries that we reflect about in the fifth joyful mystery. So it's something that we've pondered about, and hopefully as we're reading this today and tomorrow, it's going to help you in your meditation on that mystery of the rosary. Maybe you've always wondered, well, how did they lose the child Jesus? And so we get an explanation today about the separation that takes place and such in these caravans, that the men are with the men, that the women are with the women. Joseph thought he was with Mary because, of course, we know from previous readings, the two are quite inseparable. Mary thought that Jesus was with Joseph to console him. And so we kind of see how this could happen. Before the loss in the temple, though, the Holy Family was praying, and they were there for a week. They were there for the special feast. And we heard this, which I think surmises what we believe about devotion to Our Lady and St. Joseph. On this account, our heavenly pilgrims remained in Jerusalem during the whole week, spending their time in acts of worship and devotion as the rest of the Jews. Although on account of their sacraments connected with each of them, their worship and devotion was entirely different and greatly exalted above that of the others. I've said it once, I've said it multiple times over this past half a year that we've been reading this, but hyperdulia, the devotion we give to Our Lady, she exceeds that of all the saints. Protodulia, the devotion that we have to St. Joseph. Dulia, the devotion that we have to the saints, ordinary saints. And I once read from Alphonsus Liguori that the saints intercede for us by going to Our Lady, who is the Queen of Saints, and Mary then receives our petition through St. Peregrine or St. Anthony, and then it is given to the Lord. So the worship of Our Lady and Joseph exalted that above all the others in Jerusalem for the feast that was being celebrated. I thought what was interesting, Maria Vagrida just briefly mentions that woman in the gospel who searches for that lost coin and how that's kind of similar to what's happening here, but that Jesus is far greater than a coin. And then Mary begins to ponder, well, what could have happened? So a mother who loses their child, I think immediately today would think, has my child been abducted? Has my child been kidnapped? That's one of those thoughts that goes through a person's mind. We hear this, we hear stories of it on the news. We watch television shows that portray abductions. And, and so Mary thinks, well, maybe it's Herod's successor who now knows the identity of Jesus and has taken Jesus for his purposes. But we also heard that Mary knew from the Holy Scriptures and Revelations and by her conversations with her Most Holy Son and Teacher that the time for his passion and death had not yet come, that the king would not take away his life. 
so Mary knew it was not his time. Now fast forward to the wedding feast at Cana. Mary knew it wasn't his time there, but then she goes to Jesus and says, Son, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, Why does this concern me? My hour has not yet come. Mary knows, and she believes that that is the moment of the hour arriving for Jesus to begin his manifestation, to begin the signs and wonders and these last years of his life. Kind of interesting, these angels, we've heard about the thousands of angels that are around Mary and Jesus. They know where he is. It's kind of like they're playing Marco Polo or something like that, that Mary's like, well, could he be at the place of the nativity? No, he's not there. And so Mary goes in search and she comes up with some good places where she thinks he might be. Well, maybe he's with the sick. He always has a tender heart for those who are sick. Maybe he's there. So she goes there and she searches and ultimately comes to an answer uh, of where Jesus is. Now, one individual she converses with in Jerusalem says, well, yes, he begged for alms at my door. So imagine Jesus begging for alms. He's going to give that to the poor. But what she said was, and his grace and beauty have ravished my heart. Well, that's what Almighty God does for you and for me. He ravishes our heart every time we encounter him, especially in the Holy Eucharist in the most blessed sacrament. When we pray before his Eucharistic presence, allow Jesus to ravish your heart. And then finally, in the last paragraph of the instruction of Our Lady today, she talks about how we can lose Jesus because of our own faults, by our own choices, or that Jesus might do this by the disposition of his own will that we lose him. And so for us, if we lose Jesus by sin, well, we have to find him. We find him in the confessional and we find his mercy. He discovers us and we rediscover him and then we live in union with him. And then there are some of those people who Jesus has withdrawn from for some purpose. The greatest example, and I think I've mentioned this already, but Mother Teresa, the dark night of the soul, St. John of the Cross, these individuals felt a loss of Jesus in their heart because he wanted them to experience this and to undergo that experience. There's always a great joy in finding Jesus. So if you feel like you've lost him, search and find him like the Holy Family. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.